Welcome to the Growth and Influence podcast. My name is Andrew Schultz. I, as always, am your host here. I'm a marketer and a coach on the personal development uh, in a, in the personal development arena, and I'm passionate about these two things. And I started this podcast because there's a lot of overlap between these two different worlds. And if you look at it with a certain perspective, there's some conflict. So I think that's a really interesting space to be inhabiting and looking at uh, and exploring together. So today we're at, we're going to talk about a topic that I'm really excited to share. This is episode number eight, and we're going to talk today about your capacity to feel. This is really important. If I would ask you, how how much do you need to feel if you want to have a really high quality life? If I was going to give you a scale of one to ten. And your ability to feel, and you wanted to have the best quality life, where would what number would you need to have on that scale of your ability to feel? I think the answer that you give, get a number in your head. And I think the answer that you give is really instructive about the way you live your life. And I could probably, based on that number that you give me, I could probably tell you some different things about your life, what you're, what you're doing, how much you're able to achieve, how much you're trying to achieve based on that number. But I would argue that the highest quality life is going to have a pretty high number on that scale. Your ability to feel is critical to the life that you want to live. If I were to ask you to remember some of your greatest moments in your life, they were the moments, the things that are going to come up for you are the moments that, that you felt the most. Just think about that for a minute. What are they for you? What are some of the greatest moments of your life? There were probably the moments where you had some of the most intense emotions, probably on the positive side. Here's the interesting thing. You cannot have the capacity to feel great joy without also having the capacity to feel great sorrow. You can't have the capacity to feel great pleasure without having the capacity to also feel great pain. And there are, most emotions have their opposite. And your organ of feeling for these things, it does not distinguish and differentiate from the different poles on that spectrum. So let's just use happiness and sorrow or misery, whatever word you want to use. Again, it's a feeling, and the words we use to describe that feeling are less important than the actual feeling itself because the words are imperfect but we know what that feeling is. So you've got happiness, joy on one side, pain, sorrow, misery, emotional pain on the other side. If you want to feel, and again, there's no, there's, it's kind of pointless to put a number on any of this. Like you go to the doctor's office and they're like, rate, tell me what your pain is on a scale of one to 10. We'll talk more about doctor's offices and pain in a minute, but on a scale of one to 10, um, you're like, you give them a number and it's 
it's meaningless. It's like a scale for you. It's it's just basically telling them how freaked are you are right now with that pain. And uh, it's funny. I go to the doctor's office with my daughters. I have one daughter who has been injured more than the others. And um, I'm always teasing them a little bit because I personally have kind of a high pain tolerance. So when people say things hurt or they're, you know, if I'm getting a massage or something, they're like, this is going to hurt. And they're usually like, wow, you can, doesn't that hurt? Like you, you seem to be doing, doing okay right now. Most people are freaking out. I've gotten that kind of feedback in my life. And so, um, I know I have a high pain tolerance and I'll watch my daughter. She'll go in and, you know, I'll ask her like, what is that on a scale of one to 10? And, and I know that number for her is different than it would be for me. So there's nothing universal here. So when I put a number on this, it doesn't, it doesn't matter. It's just I'm talking about the degree of pain. So if you can feel pleasure at like at a 15, then what do you think your capacity to feel on the pain side is? Yeah, it's 15. It can't be a 2 has to be a 15. And if you don't want to feel pain of a 15, if you want that to be impossible, if you want to be immune to that kind of pain, let's say you only want to be able to feel pain of a three, what would you have to do? You'd have to like scar or somehow desensitize the organ that would be used to feel that kind of pain. So if you're talking about like your skin, say like the skin of my hand, if I don't want to feel pain, there are ways that I could deaden the nerves in my hand, I'm sure. So I could not feel pain greater than a three. But guess what? I wouldn't feel any positive feelings, any pleasure from that hand greater than a three either. There's no way to get rid of just one side. And this is true of your heart. It's true of anything that you can feel. They're not distinguishing organs. They just feel. And they're designed that way, I believe, because life is designed that way. Life is an experience for us to experience this whole range of emotions, this whole range of experiences. And so if you can feel one on one hand, you can feel the other. And as you feel more, your capacity to feel grows. And that's part of the experience of life. And that's why I asked the question at the beginning, what do you think the number would be for your ability to feel if you were to live your greatest life? And it would be a high number because that means you've had experiences. And that means you have a lot to share with other people because you have a lot that you've learned. It means you can empathize with a lot of other people in happiness and in joy because you've experienced a lot. It would mean that you're at a place where you now feel a confidence, a stability, a serenity, a stillness that can only come when you've experienced all of this and you know now that you, now you are, you're kind of above it. As a matter of fact, I'm a Christian, maybe you're not, um, but I will share this principle from the scriptures. Jesus Christ is who he is. He's able to do what he does for us because he 
has been on both extremes. He descended below all things, he says, and then, and then ascended above all things. And because of that, there's, he's untouchable. And he knows how to succor us, as the scriptures say, in any situation that we're in. That's true power. And too often, we're trying to live our lives facing the other direction from that. We're trying to live our lives in a way where I'm just trying to be comfortable all the time. And technology is a great thing. I'm speaking, you, speaking to you today by the power of technology, but um, technology is not helpful all the time. And it's not helpful in every way. There are negative drawbacks as well. And one of those is that it makes our world... And this is a good thing and a bad thing. I'm going to talk about the bad element. It makes our world more predictable, more stable, more reliable. And what that means is we become addicted to this reliability, this predictability, and we shrink. There are fewer uncertainties in our lives, fewer surprising times where things go wrong or, or when things go right. And so we shrink. So if you're, if you imagine a spectrum, I'm, I'm spreading my hands out right now. So I'm stretching my left hand out to the left and my right hand out to the right. And I am holding between my hands a spectrum, a range. Okay. And misery is on one side. Joy is on the other side. Pain is on one side. Pleasure is on the other side. And remember, a quality life means our ability to feel those things. That range is bigger and bigger and bigger. But most of us are living a life where we've become addicted to the predictability, the certainty, the routine, and we're experiencing less and less and less. So my hands are coming closer together. When they get close together in the middle, maybe there's only six inches between my hands now, I want you to imagine a word in between my two hands, and that word is numb, N-U-M-B. And that's a place where we don't feel any pain, but we also don't feel a whole lot of joy. We don't feel any sorrow or joy. We don't feel any pain or pleasure. And you can be numb, just like I, the analogy I gave earlier of killing the nerves in your hands so you can't feel pain. You can do that emotionally. Imagine the tragedy that that would be if you did that to your hand. It's even a bigger tragedy if you do that to your heart and to your spirit but you can. And one of the ways we do that, one of the ways we numb is we pull out our phones and we escape. We escape into a world where the emotions that we're going to feel there are predictable. Even though those emotions are things like outrage, disgust, jealousy, envy, there's a there's a there's a certain cocktail of emotions that social media is always, and I don't think it'll ever change. People know this more and more. It's becoming more and more clear to people. There are books written about it. People talk about it on podcasts or, or uh, you know, in the news or whatever, but I don't think it's going to change because we're talking about human nature. People go there and they feel these predictable emotions and they react and that's what drives engagement and that's what the social media platforms need. And so you go there to feel these predictable emotions and you're numbing yourself to the real emotions of your life, to the real experience, 
and that spectrum of emotion that you're capable of feeling gets narrower and narrower. Imagine again, my hands coming closer and closer together. So don't do that. Speaking as the coach now, from a personal development perspective, next time you're standing in line and you feel bored and you instinctively reach from your, for your phone to escape that feeling of being bored or exposed as you stand in line in public and wonder who's looking at you or what they're thinking, if that's still something you worry about, or feeling awkward and you go reach to your phone to escape from those feelings, stop yourself and feel that and then realize that it's okay and let it go. Just sit in that situation and feel what you feel. And you'll grow. As my hands get further and further apart, describing this, this spectrum, as you feel more and more, you're going to grow. Your capacity to feel is going to grow. Your experience of life is going to be sweeter, even though you will also be feeling some more negative things sometimes. So I've been speaking to you as the coach. Let's talk, let me talk to you and put on my marketing hat now. Who are you marketing to most of the time? Especially if you're marketing on, on any of the social media platforms or on any kind of online channel. This won't be true 100% of the time, but it will be true most of the time. You're gonna be marketing to people who are numb. You're gonna be marketing to people who are looking for those predictable emotions that they get on social media. And so how do you speak to those people? <clears throat> Excuse me. Well, the first thing you're going to have to do is to break the pattern. And uh, of course, everybody's trying to break the pattern these days because that's how you stand out. And so how you do that is different. But the first thing you need to do is get their attention by breaking the pattern and it's probably by giving them one of those emotions that they're looking for, but doing it in a different way. And that's not really where my expertise lies as a marketer. So once you do that, I'm going to talk about what you do next. This is the thing that's important. Because most people are numb, they don't understand the pain that exists in their lives. They don't feel it. And... I work with people sometimes who are like, hey, I just want to be like really positive. I want to market positive things. And that's fantastic. That's a, like a, that's a pure hearted desire to market from a positive perspective. And really in today's world, that could be a pattern interrupt because that, that breaks the pattern of what most people are doing who are putting content in front of these people to consume. But the reality is people change because of pain and everybody has pain and so imagine me as a doctor and all I ever do is talk to people about how awesome it is to be healthy and they're like but aren't you going to fix my leg it's broken and I'm like just it's so awesome that your arms aren't broken I mean that's a good that's a good mindset but as a doctor I'm not really doing my job and I'm not helping this person with the problem that I'm supposed to solve and so you're going to start with pain People have pain in their lives, but because they're numbing and because that spectrum is getting smaller and smaller, again, my hands are coming closer and closer together as I'm saying this, 
they don't understand that pain. And an analogy for this is when, if some of you will have experienced this, you go to the doctor and something is, you know, you're hurting somewhere and they ask you to tell them more. They're trying to understand your pain. And you're like, you don't have a very, you can't explain it to them very well. Why is that? So they ask you some questions and then you get a little better idea as you talk through it with them. You understand the pain better as you talk to it with talk through it with them. Why does that happen? It's because you've been running away from that pain. You felt it and you said, I don't want that, and you retreated from it. And therefore, as you're too busy running away from it to ever really look at what it is and to understand it at a deep level. And this could be pain that you've had for years. If you if you just take the time to feel it and explore it a little bit, I bet you'd understand it better than you ever have, even though you've had it for years. Um, and so this is what people are doing. So you have to know their pain as a marketer better than they do. And fortunately, if you're a smart marketer, you're not trying to solve everybody's pain in every different way. There's one specific pain for one specific type of person that you're trying to solve. And you know that pain better than they do. So you're like the doctor who can say, oh, well, you say it feels like this, but it probably actually feels like this, right? And it probably shows up in this part of your day. And when you're doing this, it probably has this impact on you. It prevents you from doing this part. You probably stop because you're afraid or you probably just never end up getting to this result because of this. And they're like, oh yeah, that's actually exactly what happens. You've described their pain to them better than they understood it before, even though it's their pain. And now they're willing to listen to you and your offer of a solution. But until that point, any offer you make of us to solve something for them is much less powerful. So uh, an example of this is I have clients who are, in my marketing business, I have clients who are sales influencers. They're, they're sales experts who teach people sales skills, and they do it by getting on social media and sharing stuff and building an audience and then selling to that audience. And I spent four, almost four and a half years previous to doing what I'm doing now in sales, in pain, in, uh, in four and a half years, I had four different roles and at three different companies and they were all painful. I thought I'm, I'm a hard worker. I'm a smart guy. What I want out of my career more than anything is to be able to put in a certain amount of work and see a certain amount of value for me and my family come out the back end. This is back when I was just thinking in terms of, I was kind of selfish in the way I thought about my career. Now I think about putting in a certain amount of work and seeing value come out for me and for everybody I serve. I want to make a difference and an impact in the world, which is why I'm here on this podcast. But back then it was a little bit simpler. I just wanted to put in a certain amount of work and see these results for myself. And I, and it just never happened. I was like, I invest in myself, I train, I spend my own money on sales training, 
from guys like these influencers who are now my clients. And uh, I'm doing everything I supposed to, I'm supposed to be doing. I'm, I go to work and I work harder than the other sales guys, but there are always these situational things and maybe skills that I was lacking, I don't know. Uh, I never had any managers who pointed out any lacking of skills. Most didn't coach me very closely, but um, I was just, I was, I was stuck. I was lost. I was in pain the whole time. And as I, there were, there were times of success, but for the most part, it was just over and over and over this feeling of how do I get this working? How do I get this working? And so as a marketer, because I understand that, I can take my experience, and you don't have to have the experience as a marketer. This is just, in this case, it was really, it was really helpful. But you can go understand somebody else and then use this, the, use this understanding, even though you've never experienced it yourself. So, um, but I would take this understanding and I could, I could write copy and marketing messages and do campaigns that were highly effective and high converting. And I know a couple of things about salespeople as a marketer. Like this is kind of how deep you have to go. Tony Robbins says there are six human needs, and I've found this to be highly helpful, highly useful as in my marketing. So the needs are certainty, uncertainty, significance, love, growth, and contribution. We won't go into all of them right now. I think I've mentioned them on a previous podcast episode, actually. But for a salesperson, they have a couple of those needs. And if you understand how these work together, it's really effective in the way that you market. So their needs, their number one needs are certainty and significance, which is a very pathologic, it's a pathologically bad combination. I know because those were my needs when I was a salesperson and I've worked on that and uh, I've changed that. But think about that, certainty and significance. Why would those be that's a, there's a conflict there. That's why it's that's why it's a pathological combination. It's not healthy. Well, if and it, it you can have one in front of the other. One is the higher priority than the other, and that's okay. But either way, it's this is a challenging combination. So certainty means that you need to be certain of how things are going to turn out. You want predictability. You want to know ahead of time. At its fundamental root, it's you want to be certain that you're not going to be in pain. And so going along with our theme here, a life of certainty is a life of numbness. If you take away your ability to feel, you can be certain that you're not going to be in pain. You can also be certain that you're not going to have joy. And if your greatest need is to be certain, then you're going to choose that over feelings of, you know, even the desire to feel joy. And so you have this need for certainty, and then you also have this need for significance. Significance means I want to be important. I want to be recognized. I want people to know who I am and that I'm important. So in a sales org, that means I want to be at the top of the leaderboard. I want to be the top seller at the company. I want to be the guy who everybody knows that he's doing the best. I want people coming to me and asking me, hey, how are you doing that? And it doesn't mean I have to be selfish. I could be a very selfless person. I'll tell them everything I know. I'll mentor 10 people. I'll help all of them. But I want to be the guy who's doing that. And that is significance. How can you be significant if you have a need for certainty? 
How can you be certain if you have a need for significance? To be significant, you need to get outside of your comfort zone and do hard things. Where the outcome is not certain, where there's a lot of uncertainty, if it was certain that you could do one thing and get a certain result that is significant, then everybody would do it. It's uncertain. So those two needs are in conflict, okay? Um, and then the third need for salespeople is paradoxically uncertainty. That's why they're in sales. And so and you can have these two conflicting needs. You can have a need for certainty and uncertainty at the same time. But their, their last need is uncertainty. They want to, um, they love the excitement of sales. That's why they didn't go into accounting. Sales is like, these are, there's a sales guru that always says, salespeople are the elite athletes of the business world. And what he means is they get out on the field, the opening whistle blows, and they're going to battle. And for four quarters, they're battling and they may be up sometimes and they may be down sometimes and they want to like the best, the best year is the year where they close a huge deal on the last day of the year. It's like scoring a home run in uh, the bottom of the ninth inning or getting a touchdown in overtime to win the game. That's the most exciting. And they'll tell those stories over and over and over again. Now there are variations in the way salespeople are, but for the most part, these things are true about salespeople. So they want certainty. That, that shows up in the form of, I want a method that I can use to win every single quarter, every single month, every single year. Salespeople want that. Number two, they want significance. They want to be at the top of the leaderboard. That's why they're in, you know, they're in sales because there is a scoreboard. That's another reason. There's a scoreboard and they want their number to be big on that scoreboard. And number three, they love the uncertainty. They want this. They don't want it to be easy. Uh, they want it to be predictable, but they want it to feel unpredictable until the end when they win every single time. Very un, it's, a, it's not realistic, but that's how they feel. Okay? And so knowing those things, you can then walk them through a path of pain as a marketer. Okay? Because they're numb. They're running away from their pain. And now you explain it to them. You describe it to them in a way that they have never, that they've, it's never been described to them. And you better believe that now they're ready to listen to you when you make a recommendation for what they need to do next. Okay. So as a marketer, understand that people are numb and you need to first get their attention. Then you walk them through their pain and you explain to them their pain better than they knew than they knew it themselves previously. And then you've gained the right to give them solutions. Now notice that this is not just a business problem. So if you're in like B2B marketing, the problem isn't, the problem that I'm marketing for isn't just a business problem. That can work, but it's better if I know a business problem and I know the pain that a specific person is experiencing. So if I'm marketing, for example, to, because I know I can solve a problem of a company's profits are too low because of a, of a certain kind of business, maybe it's an e-commerce business and their profits are low because they, um, you know, are competing with Amazon in the wrong way. 
I don't know. I'm just making this up. So I could market and say, hey, your profits are low because you're competing with Amazon wrong. Here's a solution. Or I can understand who feels that pain the most in that business. Maybe it's a small one or two person business. So I know I'm talking to a founder, the person who's running the business, the owner, the person who made the emotional investment, the financial investment to run, start the business, the person who is spending way too much time in this business because he can't hire or she can't hire because they don't have enough profit. The person who has doubts about whether this business is going to work out because they did this for freedom, but they're more of a slave than ever now. And they don't know if they're ever going to get to that point. So that's a very different level of understanding than just marketing to say, hey, we can solve your profit problem. And you don't have to always lead with that, but you need to help people understand their pain. You need to know it better than they do and walk them through it. If you want to have a powerful influence over their choice of a solution. So I hope this has been helpful. This, is, uh, this episode's gone a little bit longer than most of them. But when you, when you think about your own life, let's just recap from a personal development perspective, what number do you think your capacity to feel needs to be to live that perfect, your greatest life? And if you want to get to that number, then allow yourself to think about and not think about, allow yourself to feel more of the painful things in your life instead of retreating from them. You can grow like that. Just imagine your heart is like a balloon. And when you feel something further down the spectrum than you've ever felt it before, that balloon expands. You can grow in either direction. But in my experience, more often than not, the growth comes because you feel something more painful than you felt before. You feel new kinds of, of painful emotions. And then you grow. And now you feel more joy. But it can also work in the other way. You can feel more joy. You can have a child. And then that child can cause you pain. Because maybe they get sick. Heaven forbid, maybe you even lose them. Or maybe they just, you know, they, uh, they cry all the time. Or they're misbehaved when they're two or whatever. But you feel the joy and then it brings pain along with it. But you're right there in it, and that's where you belong. That's where you belong. So that's the personal development side. From the marketing side, understand that you're marketing to people who aren't doing this. These are You're going to market to people who are numb. And when you market to them, you have to get their attention first with the kind of things that their numb brain wants. But then you need to move them into a discussion, a description of the pain that is in their life that they're running away from. And then you give them a, you, you tell them that the other end of the spectrum, the joy, so in the salespeople's example, the pain of failure, not hitting your number, being somewhere in the middle or heaven forbid, even at the bottom of the leaderboard, feeling, wondering if you chose the wrong thing, wondering if you just are unskilled and that you'll always be a failure. All of that pain. The opposite of that is you can be at the top of the leaderboard. That's possible. But you're numb right now. You're not looking at either option. You, and they may be saying in their minds, yeah, I want to be at the top, but that's just something they say. 
You need to open them up emotionally to that actual possibility. Let them know where they're at today, where they're really at in all this pain, and let them know that there's a path to the opposite, pleasure, joy, fulfillment. And that's how you market powerfully. So this has been episode eight. Thank you for joining me. Remember, if you've enjoyed this episode, please give it, give this podcast a five-star rating, leave a comment, leave a review. That will help this content get to other people who need it. And in particular, one of my deepest desires for this podcast is that it starts to get into the hands of teens who are living in a world without a lot of hope, where they don't understand what's possible for their lives and what they're capable of because nobody has ever told them. So please do that. You can send a voice note. I haven't gotten any voice notes yet, but on Spotify, you can actually send a voice note and respond, ask a question, answer a question, share your own perspective. I would love to have that kind of engagement. So get on Spotify and send a note. Let me know what you think. Um, Nothing's off the table. And I will most likely take that voice note that you send and respond to it in a in a future podcast. If you don't want to have your voice on there or you want to remain anonymous or whatever, I'll honor any of those requests. Just let me know in the note. But uh, it would be so fun to have that be a little bit of a two-way dialogue. So we'll talk to you next time. This has been the Growth and Influence Podcast, episode number eight. Thank you for joining. Have a wonderful day.